The medical information communicated in this podcast is of a general educational nature. If you are feeling unwell, please seek the attention of a medical practitioner. Any advertisements promoted throughout the podcast are not endorsed by the presenter or any of the guests interviewed. Hi there, welcome to MediTalk, a medical podcast talking all things medical in a way that you can understand. You're with Danae. In this podcast, we chat with nurse practitioner sexologist Melissa Hadley-Barrett from the Prostate Clinic and Restorative Sexual Health Clinic, who specialises in treating men and women with sexual dysfunction. We learn from interviewing Melissa that when patients suffer from medical conditions such as prostate cancer, cardiovascular disease, sleep apnea, depression and anxiety, sexual dysfunction is actually very common and it's experienced in men and women young and old. And all these health conditions are actually all interconnected. So it's not only important to discuss and address the medical underlying condition, but by speaking with sexual health professionals like Melissa, people can also seek help for sexual dysfunction. Today we're going to speak about erectile dysfunction with Melissa Hadley-Barrett. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yep, so I'm a nurse practitioner and a sexologist. I've studied a graduate diploma in sexology, so as a nurse practitioner I'm able to prescribe, order tests and um, diagnose problems. And as from studying the sexology, that enables me to treat sexual dysfunction problems. So what is erectile dysfunction? Yeah, so clinically erectile dysfunction is any time that a person has trouble maintaining an erection. And so it actually fills different criteria. So you can have premature ejaculation where you get an erection easily and it's a good hard erection and then you um, ejaculate quickly and then your erection goes away. Other men just won't be able to get an erection at all for various reasons. There's lots of different clinical reasons why you might not be able to get one. And other people will have one that goes up and as soon as they have penetration, it goes down. So there's lots of different reasons and lots of different definitions of it. But anything to do with a penis not being able to maintain an erection for intercourse is erectile dysfunction. Okay. And can it occur at any age? Yep, it can. So I see a lot of younger men who have... Um, premature ejaculation so that's actually a common problem and unfortunately it's something that not many young guys talk to each other about so they don't realise that there's treatment out there and then you can develop erectile dysfunction at really any stage in your life because some of the causes can be psychological as well as physical so it could happen because you have a spinal injury it could happen because you have some sort of emotional trauma that causes you to have erectile dysfunction could happen because your arteries becoming clogged, could happen just because you're getting overweight or drinking too much alcohol. So there's lots of different things. How many people roughly might have erectile dysfunction? So the stats are pretty, it changes a lot for the age group, but in a man over the age of 50, between 50 and 60% of men will have erectile dysfunction at some stage. Yeah, it's really high. And the other point I didn't say before is depression is quite a common cause of erectile dysfunction. Now, that's an interesting point. Is that the treatment for depression or is it a bit of both, having depression? So a lot of the um, medications that we give people for depression actually make it difficult for men to have an orgasm and some of them can make it difficult for them to have an erection. But 90% of people who are depressed, men who are depressed, will have some erectile dysfunction because the actual act of feeling depressed doesn't really make you feel very sexy. So in terms of ED and prostate cancer, is it the prostate cancer that can cause the ED or the treatment of the prostate cancer, if we're just going to sort of talk about prostate cancer and ED? So there's many different types of treatments for prostate cancer and they all affect your erectile function 
differently. Yeah. So, for instance, people who have radiation therapy probably won't have any erectile dysfunction early in the game but may develop it down the track. Right. People who have surgery will have 90% of the time erectile dysfunction immediately post-surgery but in 70% of cases if they've had nerve sparing surgery, can recover their pre-operative erectile function. Yeah. So it really depends. Um, it's not the cancer itself, though, doesn't cause the erectile dysfunction. You can also have hormone therapy for um, prostate cancer, and the hormone therapy lowers your testosterone level, which then lowers your libido and, yeah. and can cause erectile dysfunction. So okay. they're all different. So it's, it's quite common we've talked about that, and so it's important for men to realise, and women as well, that sexual dysfunction is common now in the community? It's very common, and I think women talk about it more often, so women lose their libido often as yeah. they get older. Or and is that hormonal, do you? That can be definitely be hormonal from yeah. changes in menopause and the stresses of life of having young children and work and all of those yeah. things. Um, and But I think women are more likely to speak to their friends about it, so they yeah. realise that it's quite common in females, but men, it's kind of not macho to tell your mates that you've got problems with your erections. Yeah. So I think, unfortunately... When men come and see someone like myself, it'll be the first time they've actually talked about their yeah. erectile dysfunction. And often men won't even speak to their partners about it. They'll just stop initiating sex because yeah. they'll be too embarrassed to talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's good to have this podcast to really get it out there that they're not alone and then there's people like yourself to, yeah. to talk to them yeah, about Yeah, that's it. right. It's so common. And like sometimes I'll go and do public speaking and it'll be amazing afterwards when they have a cup of tea or whatever and it's suddenly everyone's opened up and talking about all their problems yeah. that they haven't before just because it's good to have a safe place and realise that it's not uncommon and that probably heaps of the people that you know are having exactly the same issues that you are. And so is there ways of preventing erectile dysfunction if you are treated for prostate cancer? So you can't really prevent having the erectile dysfunction because it happens when you have your treatment from damage to the nerves that give you erections. However, there are ways to improve your chances of healing. Mm. Um, and those things are regular exercise, having a lot of belly fat, isn't just a risk of cardiovascular disease. You imagine that if you have a lot of belly fat and a lot of weight on, on your pelvic area, yeah. it's reducing the amount of blood flow to the area, so it's making your erectile dysfunction worse. So the things I always encourage people to do if they want to help themselves is lose weight, especially and around their belly. And that's for young people as well? Yep. So young, Definitely. old, doesn't matter. If you're suffering at erectile dysfunction, these tips can help Definitely. you. Definitely, yep. yep. So losing weight. The re exercise is really important because when we exercise, we produce more nitrous oxide gas, which is what gives men erections, so we need that. Yeah. Um, not smoking because smoking blocks those tiny little arteries and veins that are feeding the area, and we don't want to do that. We want to keep all those clear so we've got yep. clean pipes to get the blood through. And alcohol as we talked about, I mean, Brewer's Droop isn't just an urban myth, it really exists and yeah. alcohol is very detrimental to your erectile function. And probably would young men or men um, know that for themselves, that if they've had a big night on the, on the alcohol and they've, you know, they try and, ha and have sex that evening that they might realise the relationship or...? Definitely. I yeah. think... Um, you know, I'll often see young men who will come in and say that they've got erectile dysfunction problems, but when you talk to them, 
they're not in a regular relationship and it's the nights they've gone out and on the town and had quite a lot to drink and then they try and have sex and then they're kind of disappointed yeah. that they can't and often it'll be purely related to their alcohol consumption and nothing else. Yeah, okay. Where, where to from here for them to seek help? Well, the last time I looked, approximately 20,000 Australian men Google erectile dysfunction a day. <laughs> That's so, a lot. So there's a lot of people doing that and there's a lot of interesting information online about strange herbs and buying yes. and, do- and dr google is interesting isn't it yeah, but it is. not often credible no that's right and there's a lot of information about yeah herbs drugs that you can buy online i'd really encourage people not to do that because you really don't know what you're getting and you might be doing more harm than good yeah um but you know a good place to start is your gp you don't need a referral to see someone like myself who okay. specialises in sexual problems. So if you find someone where you live, there's a few people in Perth that do this kind. And there's all around Australia, there's a lot of sex therapists or... Sexologists. Um, sexologists and GPs that specialise in sexual health. Yes. And so I think, you know, going to your own GP, great. Ask them if they've got any direction. But if you don't get anywhere with that, then by all means, I think it's a good idea then to use Google yes. and find someone who specialises in sexual health. Yeah, and I suppose that's when you can use online, you know, use the web in terms of reading bios on people. Definitely. You know, and they will, like your bio, it states very clearly your, um, you know, your background, your experience working in this area. So I think it's really people doing their research. Yeah, I think so. And also if you... You don't always gel with the first person you see. Yeah. So I think it's important that if you see someone who's supposed to be a specialist in the field and you don't feel like you gel with them because it's a difficult conversation, to Mm. try someone else. Get a second opinion. Yeah, we don't always gel with the first person we meet with and I think it's important that people feel empowered enough to go and find someone that they do feel comfortable with. Yeah, no, that's a good, good advice. So what are the treatment options out there for erectile dysfunction? So there's medication. Everybody's heard of, you know, Viagra. There's a few choices. There's Viagra, Cialis and Levitra, which are all in the same family of drugs called PDE5s, and they all work slightly differently. So if one doesn't work for you, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't try the others. Mm -hmm. They're all available on a prescription. Viagra is actually quite cheap now because it's it's off patent. patent. Yeah. Yeah. So now that's off patent, I always start everybody by trying Viagra first. Mm. Um, There's a lot of myths about Viagra, such as, you know, you can't take it if you've got high blood pressure. That's actually not true. Yes. There's very few contraindications. One is if you have angina, then you definitely can't. But having controlled blood pressure doesn't stop you from trying any of those drugs. And it's fairly safe? Yes. It's really sad. I mean, people have, some people have bad side effects such as headaches and flushing. But from a safety perspective, it's safe as long as you don't have angina. Um, I think the other thing to think about when you're taking those kind of drugs is not to just give up after the first time. And I also think the problem is lots of patients that I see will be given a prescription for a drug like that, but not explained properly how to take it. So, for yeah. instance, Viagra doesn't work until after you've wait, waited an hour for mm. it to get into your system. And then Whereas people, uh, do you think people, one of the myths is they might expect the erection straight away? Exactly. Or? So I think people watch cartoons or movies where they take a blue pill and suddenly they get an erection. Yeah. And that's not going to happen. Yeah. And also you're not going to get an erection without stimulation. But the, the most common thing that I see is someone who comes in and tells me they've tried Viagra, yes. but it didn't work. And then I'll say, did you wait an hour and did you actually have some stimulation? And they'll say, no, I just took it 
waited for something to happen. Yeah. And so when you get them to actually use the drug properly, Does it, it work? works for them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then those are the three treatments. Is there anything Oh, sorry. Else? So that was just medication. Yeah, medication. So what yeah. are the other treatments? So the other options are you can use vacuum pumps, which yeah. um, you use to pump blood into and the And I wish it was a video because am I looking at yes, it now? Yes, you're looking yeah. at one now on the table. <laughs> so you use the um, pump to like to vacuum blood into the penis shaft and then you can use what's called a not very nice name but a cock ring yes. to put on the base. And are they quite common? Yeah, really yeah. common. I mean, people are often embarrassed going into sex shops to buy them, yeah. So, um, but you can buy them online as well and they're perfectly safe to use with a vacuum device as long as you only leave them on for half an hour. Yeah. Longer than that, they're not good. And why, why would someone then choose um, that over perhaps trying the tablet? Well, someone might. Usually you would try the tablet. If the tablet doesn't work for you or if your side effects such as a headache are so bad, then yeah. you would go to the pump. Yeah. And then the third option is injectable therapies, yeah. which people... Every man I tell about for the first time cringes. Yes. <laughs> but because you actually inject a very small needle into the shaft of the penis. But Does it hurt? Well, I have a Not penis, so I wouldn't be able to But from but, speaking with your but patients. But what my patients tell me, yeah. particularly the diabetic ones who are very, you know, used to giving yes, needles, true. they will say that the injection going into their finger to test their blood or into their it's stomach more hurts more than the one into the shaft of the penis because yeah. the shaft of the penis where you inject only has nerve endings on the skin okay. and not inside Yes, in that spot. So I think most men are very surprised that it hurts much less than they envisaged. Yeah. But the idea of it is still difficult. But the reaction is so good because you're putting a vasodilating drug straight into the shaft of the penis and then within 10 to 15 minutes they get an erection. It's very so successful. it's very reliable in terms it's of yeah. for some people that's what they would prefer versus... Yeah. Trying it and there's no systemic side effects. So if you're a person who uses Viagra can get an erection but has a horrendous headache, yeah. then injectables are much better. And also, if you're a person who doesn't, who those tablets don't work for, the injectables and or the pump are your only option. Yeah. So there is a number of options. Yeah, and the injectables. Most people who use a pump and then try the injectables will stay, in my experience, with the injectables because you get a much more realistic you can't tell the difference between a natural erection and one that's been given by an injection okay are they fairly effective all those different treatments they're very effective and yeah. i mean it's just a matter of working from number one to number three and once you get to the injectable stage there's also lots of different mixes of medication you can give mm. so don't be thinking if you have one that yeah. you can't, that's it, you can't find a solution because there's many different mixes that you can use. Yeah. Do often people come in and maybe even work on um, psychology of, around erectile dysfunction? Definitely. So lots of the people that I'll see, their erectile dysfunction will be more to do with their relationship Yeah. than it will be. So it might be that their relationship's breaking down, they're not happy with each other, they're not feeling loved and appreciated might be that they've had past abuse yeah. or something like that and it's just about trying to also get to the bottom of that and some people it's just pure anxiety mm. so sometimes if you can help in a physical way to improve to guarantee them an erection for a while the anxiety will pass and they'll start to trust their own body oh fantastic so is there perhaps a patient story you can share yeah so i was thinking about this because you asked me previously yeah. And um, I've had a patient recently who's a lovely guy in his 70s and his wife had Alzheimer's and then she'd been in hospital for five years yeah. and then she eventually died. 
And then after a few years, he... So he hadn't had a sexual relationship with her since she'd been unwell. So mm. it was quite a long time. And then he met a lady at his bowls. Oh. And he was quite interested in starting a relationship with her, but he wanted to get his sex life, you know, see if he could have sex again before he tried. Because yes. he didn't want to ask her out and have a bit of false advertising. Yeah. So he came in and we went through all of the options that we talked about and we ended up coming to the injection stage, which he was quite reluctant about at the beginning. Yeah, right. Um, I gave him a test dose and I always do the initial dose so that I know the technique's right and it's going to work. We waited 10 minutes and we had a pretty good response. And then off he went home to see how it went and he rang up and said, yep, I want to learn how to do it. So he came back. This is, he's probably only a few weeks ago. I saw him and he was like, I want to learn. So I taught him how to do it. And then he took his female friend out on a couple of dates. Yes. He made sure that he practised and he was confident in what he was doing and then he eventually took her away on a weekend away. And he sent me an email last week telling me that he feels like he's 40 again. Oh, that's And um, he's very excited about his new toy that he'd forgotten about. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, and I suppose it's about um, finding that inner contentment in terms of also that... um, new relationship as well that he's having with a lovely lady so oh that's lovely and so I think it's about you know he didn't even know if this woman wanted to be sexually active with him but for him it was about knowing that he was capable before he initiated that relationship with her and I think sometimes if you're a single person it's better to figure out the problems and know that you have a solution before before you go and introduce a partner and feel really anxious about how that's going to go yeah no that was a really um great way of going around it so is there things that we wouldn't know about erectile dysfunction that, you know, myth versus fact or any other things that we wouldn't know? I think about? people with um, prostate cancer, I always tell them when they're pre-surgery, if I get to see them, that there's a couple of things we don't know. So we can have an orgasm without an erection. Mm-hmm. So the nerves that give us an orgasm are completely different to the ones that give us an erection. So I think people are often shocked yes. to realise that if they stimulate a flaccid penis, they can still have all those same feelings of an orgasm. Yeah, right. So I think that's really important. Would there be things that we wouldn't know about our sexual health that would be good to... I'm trying to think of something. that. I mean, most women, I see quite a lot of menopausal women who don't realise that the vaginal wall gets really thin in menopause. Yeah, right. And so often people will be coming in complaining of recurrent urinary tract infections that they haven't had before and that will be from the thinning of the vaginal wall and it's actually quite easy to fix that with a bit of oestrogen vaginally so I always think of oestrogen in your vagina as anti-aging cream for your vagina so I say to my patients you're probably putting it on your face and if you're discomfort down there and it's getting thin just like your face then there's no reason that you shouldn't be treating that as well and that can really make sex a lot less painful and reduce the number of urinary tract infections. So I think that's something a lot of women don't know The main points are that people, you know, don't just think that there's a pill or an injection or something that can fix it and that the things that you can do for yourself make a big difference as well. Yeah, so lifestyle respect. Lifestyle, yeah, definitely. So, you know, looking at how all the medications you're on are interacting, looking at your weight, looking at how often you're exercising. And how often should people exercise then that would help erectile dysfunction? Well, it says, the research that I've read says that one hour of exercise a week can reduce your erectile dysfunction risk by 70%. That's a lot. Yeah, so it's a lot. So, yeah. um, and it's not that much. No. An hour a week. No, that's right. But it's not really enough for your cardiovascular no. health. So if we did the cardiovascular health, then you'd be getting more than enough for your erectile dysfunction. Absolutely. So within our control, 
Uh, I suppose it's what, what's really important is ending today on this fantastic topic is empowering ourselves with this knowledge but also what we're responsible that we can do within our control is exercise, eat well. Yep. Those are the top tips. Smoking, stop smoking. smoking. Oh, yeah. Stop smoking, stop reduce smoking. your alcohol intake and talk about it. I think talking yeah. about it is a really big thing. I think. And then talking about it to their GP or also looking online for a sexologist, someone yep. that's specialised in it. Um, and then your website, um, you're getting your website up and running? Yeah, I'm getting it up and running. It's not ready yet. Okay. It be a few weeks. <laughs> in a few weeks' time, and I'll make sure on the podcast notes that we'll put that too. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. What I would like people to feel after listening to this podcast is that sexual dysfunction is a common problem that many people suffer and rather than feeling embarrassed, just simply speak to your doctor or seek the help from a qualified sexual health professional like Melissa. For more information, I will have website links on the podcast episode or you can contact Melissa Hadley Barrett at rshealthclinic at gmail.com. You've been listening to MediTalk, a podcast talking all things medical in a way that you can understand. You can follow MediTalk Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, please take a minute to subscribe, rate and review this podcast via iTunes or your podcasting app. If you have any health topics you would like to hear discussed, please email them to danae at meditalk.com.au. Thanks for listening.